Hey, welcome to OCD Whisperer Podcast. I'm your host, Christina. Here we're going to talk about all things OCD. If you've been enjoying this podcast so far, and if you'd like to work together, come check out my monthly membership called Mastering OCD and join a group of other people like yourself. You can go to www.coreresults.com forward slash membership. That's K-O-R results.com forward slash membership. And see you in there. Okay, welcome to OCD Whisperer Podcast. And today with me, I have Chris Tronson, and we're going to be having part two talking about emotions and OCD. So Chris Tronson, he is a specialist in OCD and anxiety disorders at the Gateway Institute. Um, He's also one of the three lead advocates for the International OCD Foundation. And also he's part of the BDD Special Interest Group. And... He's a vice president in the Southern California chapter for international OCD. So thank you so much for coming back, Chris, and talking to us today a little bit more about emotions and OCD. Welcome. Yes. Thank you for having me back. I'm glad we're having part two. I I always think that this is such a untapped part of OCD treatment, recovery, and just knowing the disorder. So I'm glad that we're able to talk about it a little bit longer. Thank you. Absolutely. You know, I know that uh, the last episode we talked specifically kind of focused on anger. And I know that when we had finished that episode, you and I talked about there's some other kind of heavy feelings um, that that come through with this experience that people don't quite often understand. Um, So just that emotional intensity that people with OCD can have. And especially things like guilt, right? Shame, embarrassment. I mean, it it can be just so heavy. so yeah, if we can um, have us just dive in and have you share with us some more to be about some of these feeling states. Um, and definitely, I know guilt is a big one for a lot of people, guilt and shame. But um, yeah, if you can tell us a little bit more and walk us through some of that um, emotional charge and, and kind of challenge that folks with OCD experience. Yeah, no, like we discussed in the last uh, uh, episode of the podcast about, you know, people with OCD experience emotions much more intensely. There's been research that I talked about the first podcast on this topic. And so people are going to feel those emotions very strongly. I'm glad we were able to touch on OCD and anger because that's such a huge part of it. And then you just mentioned some other emotions people feel. One of the things that I don't think people fully grasp who don't either have OCD or specialize in the treatment of OCD is the emotion is so strong behind the thought that people are feeling the emotions as if they've really done that thing wrong. So I want to specifically talk about right now about kind of shame and guilt. So there's different subtypes of OCD. And one of them I kind of throw under this idea of like taboo topics. So that might be, you know, wanting to cheat on, you know, having intrusive thoughts about wanting to cheat on your husband, or it can be pedophilia, OCD, bestiality, incest, uh, conflicts with your se- sexual orientation. So things that society deems kind of taboo or wrong. And what I find with my clients is those that are experiencing those intrusive thoughts and those feelings are having the same emotions that somebody who actually did that thing would be feeling. So if you've ever had a friend who's cheated on their husband or their wife and you know, you're consoling them and they're crying, why did I do it? And they're, they're a mess. I see that same thing in my office. And when I talk to my client about it, they haven't cheated. They might've had an intrusive thought, or maybe when they're at the grocery store, they saw somebody that was like, oh, they're attractive. But what happens is that little thought kind of gets planted like a seed. And then because of the compulsions, 
which is reinforcing this idea that they've done something wrong. It's that thought action fusion. I've had this thought, therefore it's just as bad as if I did it. So this person might spend weeks, days, months, years, you know, ruminating on that thought. But what I notice is their emotions is the same as if somebody who's actually physically cheated. So what's so detrimental is now this person is carrying all this shame, all of this guilt. They they're hating themselves. They're having negative thoughts. They're punishing themselves. You know, I'm not going out anymore. I'm not, I'm not buying myself, you know, this or that because I don't deserve it. So they're living as if they've done something horrific. And then what I even find is that, you know, with somebody who's actually done the thing that they fear, their emotion might wax and wane. So somebody who's maybe cheated on their husband or, you know, whatever kind of intrusive thought, they'll have moments that they're at the, you know, at the movies laughing, having a good time. But people with OCD feel as if they have to have that emotion for for a consistent basis and when i ask them i'm like okay you know so somebody who's done something horrific with children they or rape let's say that one you know they might go to jail for 8 10 15 years how long do you plan on you know punishing yourself cuz the emotions that you feel that shame that guilt that disgust in yourself oh i have to feel that way for for life so they're almost giving themselves a worse life sentence for something they haven't even done but those emotions, those guilt and shame, those are some of the strongest emotions we have. Um, that's why we have a whole justice system around it. And when people feel shame, they feel embarrassment and, and, and you know, about themselves and who they are as a person. And so we see people with OCD living with that guilt and shame and owning it. And that's something that we have to deconstruct and separate in treatment is we can't let the client compulse by owning these negative emotions and then therefore punishing themselves because of having those emotions and the thought or the feeling that kind of sparked that. Yeah. And you know, as you're talking, I'm, I'm pretty sure this might, might be something that might be on, on, you know, whoever's listening on, on their mind. Um, you know, the question of what if, you know, let's say there was something where the person maybe, okay, it wasn't rape, but let's say that um, they did make some mistake and they did actually, you know, hurt a friend or they did, you know, maybe, I don't know, they, they drank too much and said something, or maybe they um, made some move towards somebody or, or said what, you know, anything like that as humans, you know, people make mistakes, but, but when people actually have done something, um, and would say, well, but I did do that thing, or I, I did say that thing, or I, or I did hurt uh, my friend, or I did, you know, lose control over my feelings and kind of, you know, lost my mind for a minute and yelled and blah, whatever, you know, and, and now like, oh my gosh, you know, I feel terrible for that. What, what would you say about that? Yeah. So what happens is, you know, that's usually where that all or nothing that we see in OCD comes into play. So that person starts to define themselves with that error. So you're right. Let's say they decided to, you know, cheat on their, their wife or their husband and they've forgiven them and they're trying to move on. Or usually I'll be honest though, it's usually something a lot less in my sessions. It might be where somebody flirted with somebody, or it might be where somebody, you know, gave them their phone number and they never called the person, but they accepted it. It's usually something smaller, but even if we go to like, they actually physically cheated on somebody they're in a relationship with, 
the level of punishment that that person and shame and guilt is so heavy because they'll come into the session and, you know, it might be the first session we're kind of talking about, like, what are your intrusive thoughts? And they'll tell me like, oh, it's so horrific. I don't even want to talk about it. So my head goes to they've murdered someone. They've, you know, they, they, they're on their seventh victim. Am I the eighth? I mean, it's just the way that they're presenting it. It's so intense. And it's like, yeah, well, you know what? I kissed somebody else while I was in my relationship and we were on a break, but still I kissed somebody. But the way that they're carrying that guilt and that shame is so heavy that they are punishing themselves as if they've done something 10 times worse. But also what's happening where kind of like that disgust and hate comes in from themselves was really strong negative emotions that have us be willing to do any compulsion is it's that all or nothing component. They start to define their whole character, their whole their whole value of a person, their whole worth, their whole moral fabric from that one incident. So they could have saved a village and donated money to 18 different families in need. They could have done all these amazing, incredible things, but they're completely discounting that positive. They are mentally kind of like filtering those good things out. And they're focusing on that one bad thing that they did. And they are punishing themselves daily for that. Whereas I recognize like we all are going to make mistakes. We need to learn from those mistakes, grow. How can I kind of apologize and make amends and then grow as a person and strengthen my character and prevent myself from making that same error? And that's what's so deadly about OCD is that person never gets to that growth component. They're so fixated on that. And it's because of those heavy, heavy emotions that the person's feeling. It's it's foreign for them to think of going and moving forward and living their life. It's like they need to feel that self-hate, that self-punishment. And then that becomes the compulsion just every day. I don't deserve to be happy. I don't deserve to experience joy and other what we deem as positive emotions because of that poor choice that I made. Yeah, I mean, I think this is such a fascinating um, topic, and I think it's really true. And especially if you are un- if you're not treated, and if or if you're not even sure if it is OCD that you're dealing with, um, I think that's really where I see this this really play out in ways that could be so detrimental. Because literally, you can burn through friendships, relationships, right? You you could be, I mean, kind of all over the place and not even really fully grasp or understand what's happening to you. Um, and, and definitely afterwards, I could see how you, you could feel really terrible about yourself because in the moment, maybe, okay, you're having a flare up, but you don't know what's going on. And then after you kind of cool down and you look again and you go, oh my God, what's going on with me? Like, am I losing my mind? Am I like going crazy or, oh, right. And, um, and I think, you know, that's why it's so important to, you know, get the right treatment and, and get the right diagnosis so that you can start to learn and understand this about yourself and how does OCD manifest in your life specifically? You know, how, how does your individual, how does it show up for you? Uh, what are your vulnerabilities, right? And how to understand your, your thoughts, your feelings, just yourself so much better so that you can then know how to move yourself through things and, and not have that, um, so much of that dysregulation, um, and also, like mm-hmm. you're saying, not um, not by into uh, creating so much meaning around it, right? Um, exactly that last point. I mean, that's the mistake that most of us make before we get treatment with OCD is we make so much meaning, especially out of our feelings. So that's what we call emotional reasoning, which is one of those like main, um, you know, kind of. Uh, cognitive distortions that we see specifically in OCD. So like you said, as we take meaning of those feelings, obviously we do that with thoughts. 
Um, but since we're focusing on feelings, you know, if somebody feels guilty, let's say they did or say something that they're not proud of or happy, you know, instead of it being just an intrusive thought, let's say they actually did something or happy. Maybe they drove home with some alcohol in their system. Maybe they didn't crash or, or hurt anyone, but they feel guilty for doing that. Um, they take so much meaning out of those, those negative emotions and emotional reasoning is basically where we start to base our behaviors and our actions and what is safe, what's not safe, et cetera, on how we feel. And so the problem is if somebody is using those, those emotions to almost kind of self-punish, they feel disgust with themselves or embarrassment or any of those really strong emotions, they're taking so much meaning. And then they're feeling that they have to live their life based on that, that emotion. That's what, what you just were talking about is making meaning of that. And so the good news is when we look at the research, it does show that ERP helps with, with emotional regulation. And what's really key in treatment, like you said, it's so important to, to work with a specialist who understands this. It's being able to start tearing the emotions from the person so that the person can use kind of like that mindfulness of, of being able to observe the emotions versus deem them as direction of how to act. Because I always tell my clients, we're not like you know, low intellectual animals. So we can be on the middle of the road and be tired and we don't immediately go to sleep, or we can be hungry in the middle of a meeting and not grab food, or we can be angry at someone and not punch them. So we have the ability to have emotions, but not act on them. And that's what I really work with my clients on. And what's important in treatment is to say, you can have these emotions, but you don't need to act on them. You don't need to let these emotions deem what your next choice is. You can be observant. That's why I love mindfulness. Like be observant of that emotion. Notice it's there. Let it be present yet choose, or, you know, we see this in acceptance and commitment therapy also choose not to act on that emotion, you know, so I can feel guilt because OCD is telling me I should feel guilty because I drove, you know, two years ago with alcohol in my system and I can punish myself every day, but no action is taken. Nothing is learned. There's no change. It's just that stewing in the past and being in that past and being mad at yourself and wishing you could go back in time and make a different choice, which we know we can't. So that's why the acceptance of ERP comes in of saying, I'm going to let this anger go. I'm going to let this disgust or whatever emotion I'm having. I'm going to be able to recognize that that's the OCD turning and cranking up the volume. And I'm going to choose to move forward. So I'll ask clients, like, what would you be doing differently if you weren't living in the guilt that you experience every day? Well, I'd hang out with friends. I'd go out of the house. I'd go golfing. I would do this. And that's their treatment. And it may seem weird, but I have clients who going golfing or going to a spa day is a 10 on their list because to them, they think they're so bad because of those negative emotions from their event or intrusive thought that they think they need to punish themselves every day. So just going to get their nails done or going to play baseball with their friends, they feel like a fraud, a phony. Why should I be doing this when I'm such a terrible human? But that's part of the treatment is saying, look, you can be disappointed in a choice you made and still love you as a person and still grow and move forward. So this event or this choice doesn't define you as a person. It's one choice of thousands, if not millions, you'll make in a lifetime. We can have that gray. We don't have to like basically brand ourselves because of something that we did or something OCD says we did. That's beautiful. I think that's, and, and you literally already hit on something that I always ask, what, what could be the one thing that somebody could do about it? And you just said, there it is, right? Mindfulness. And you can also, you also said, you know, looking at those things that you are depriving yourself of, especially if you're doing a self-punishment as one of your compulsions mm -hmm. and make sure you start to actually engage, right? The art of opposite action when it comes to OCD yes. work. 
beautiful. Yeah, like a, an easy example is if you're having intrusive thoughts about harming, let's say, children and you have a niece or a nephew, I mean, that's going to your family event. It's seeing your niece or nephew. It's picking them up. It's hugging them. Now, the hard thing is sometimes people don't feel anxiety. And I and and anxiety, obviously, is what we most kind of, the emotion we most connect with OCD. But I'll have clients that don't feel anxiety. Instead, they just feel like that disgust with themselves or that that shame or why am I having these thoughts? And so it's I, one of the the things I do in the beginning of treatment, especially with certain subtypes, is I expand beyond the anxiety. We, we think of OCD and anxiety so much, which obviously, because I think everybody with OCD deals with anxiety, but there's clients, like I said, with POCD, for instance, that a lot of their emotion when they're around children is disgust with themselves, shame and guilt. So if they don't recognize those strong emotions as OCD as well, like kind of blowing those emotions up, they may own those, think they're a disgusting person because they're not feeling anxiety based on the literature they read. So that's what's important is like you just said, that opposite action, allow that negative emotion to kind of be there, let it sit. But the great news is you don't have to do anything about it. And you just let it be, let it, let it fade on its own versus feeling like you have to address it. Exactly, exactly. And then do the opposite, which is like you said, actually interact with your nieces, interact with people and, and, and not allow yourself to, you know, be put in a, in a corner like OCD loves to do. Right. Absolutely. Let's avoid the world altogether and just yes. sit here, just in case. <laughs> yeah. And that's what people do they, with this. Like when people are feeling extreme negative emotions, commonly when I, when they come into my office, what they've been doing for the last two, three years is just rumination, sitting in their room and avoiding people. And that's the compulsion. I I need to make sure that I'm not a danger or harm to other people, or I'm not embarrassing myself, or I'm not this, or I'm not that. So if I just sit at home and isolate, I can feel some kind of relief, but that's the treatment is to learn that you can get that same level of relief by engaging in the world. As long as you have those ERP tools that we know works for OCD. 100%. 100%. Thank you so much, Chris, yes. for your time and for talking about this. This is such an important topic. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I hope everyone got something from this because I think it's such an important component of OCD recovery. And people need to keep downloading all your episodes and listening to the OCD Whisper podcast. <laughs> thank you. Of okay. course. Bye. Thanks for listening to OCD Whisper podcast. If you want ongoing support with live weekly Q&A calls to address your questions about OCD and get topic trainings, please join my membership, Mastering OCD. Go to www.coreresults.com forward slash membership. That's K-O-R results.com forward slash membership.